Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey, clones, welcome back to the Daily Jungle. The NFL is back, and we were all over the first weekend of the season, including Marshawn Lynch's return. He absolutely trucked Jarrell Casey as the Raiders took down the Titans. Raider Mike also came on to break it all down. And the Rams absolutely hospital-jobbed the Colts. Sean McVay's debut, a 46-9 thrashing of Scott Tolzien as Chuck Pagano managed to lose the postgamer as well. And we had three nice guests. Jason Lockenfora was in to break down week one. Clemson QB Kelly Bryant off a huge win over Auburn. And Baltimore Ravens safety Tony Jefferson after shutting out the Bengals. Alvy, roll it now. And now Beast Mode is back. The Raiders went on the road. They beat a good Titans team in their house. And we've got an answer to the all-time question about rest versus rust. In the case of Marshawn Lynch, there's no such thing as rust. He took his first carry in nearly 20 months for 14 yards off tackle. And you know as soon as he did that, Raider Mike and his crew on the Raider forums had to be freaking out about beast mode in the silver and black. And not just wearing the colors, but wearing dudes out. The truth is, nobody really had any idea what to expect from a running back who took off all of last season. But I didn't see any rust at all. What I did see was a dude accounting for 92 total yards and absolutely trucking 300 pounders. What's up? Lynch runs over a defender. I mean, he knocked over the great Jarrell Casey, their best defender. Who does that? I mean, he steamrolled him. Watch this right here, this great offensive line getting up. Boom! I'm back, baby, I'm beast mode! In the words of Tony Romo, who does that? Who does that? Lynch simply lowered his shoulder, and he flattened a guy who goes three bills plus. And not some fatty in the middle either. Jarrell Casey, a two-time Pro Bowler. Who does that? And who does that a year or after taking a year off? This dude trucked a 300-pounder. And how would I describe what he did to Jarrell Casey? Well, why would I bother describing it when Marshawn himself told us all about it last summer, remember? Over and 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 over again. See, if you think seeing that a running back run through a 300-pounder's face does not have an impact on the rest of the offense, then you go ahead and think again. Or just ask quarterback Derek Carr, who had a big game of his own. Derek Carr said, quote, we got to see that Marshawn is Marshawn. He is running through people, and he's going to make it a pain on them to tackle him. You've got to earn it if you're going to tackle him, end quote. Or how about Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper said, quote, man, he's such a boost. You saw that play where he ran a guy over, probably five times bigger than he was. It gets everybody hyped, end quote. Cooper also went on to say, Quote, every time you know he's about to get the ball, you're watching because you know something amazing is going to happen. End quote. Right, that's Amari Cooper, one of the freakiest receivers in the NFL, and even he's saying he's awestruck and hype every time Lynch gets the ball. And the fact of the matter is, they might be the silver and black and they might be the Raiders, but this guy brings a certain edge, a certain nasty, a certain toughness that they have not had in recent years. And it's got an impact on everybody 
on both sides of the ball. That's how valuable he is. So I'm not going to sit here and say the Raiders are back. Because in reality, they simply picked up right where they left off last year. But one game in, they picked up in an even better spot thanks to Beast Mode. And when Lynch wasn't crashing into the Titans' defensive line, he was crashing Jack Del Rio's presser. Pitch. That's my man, Beast. Hey, I, Beast. I was available for three minutes. They didn't holler at you. I'm good, right? You're good. <laughs> All right, so he's a little off mic. If you didn't catch that, it was Lynch poking his head into Del Rio's presser to say, quote, I was available for three minutes. They didn't holler at me. I'm good, right? End quote. No, Marshawn, you're not good. You're not good. You're great. You're awesome. And I can't believe we all survived without you. Welcome back, and please never, ever leave us again. The Raiders, off to a great start. You know, they watched Kansas City go in and punch the Patriots right in the face. And they had to hear about how, you know, maybe it's not the Patriots who are the team to beat in the AFC. Maybe it's the Chiefs. Maybe it is. And then again, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the Raiders. Derek Hart looked great, too, didn't he? Derek Carr looked great coming off that injury. He's only going to get better. It's not a question of if, but a matter of when, before he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. Great, great start for the Raiders. I'll take your thoughts on that. Who does that? Who does that is right. Tony Romo. We're not talking about this dude trucking a DB or even a linebacker. That was a defensive tackle that he decleated and snot bubbled. Absolutely awesome. Rams 49, Colts 9 in the Los Angeles Coliseum. And it was even worse than it sounds. That was a straight hospital job, which I will get to a little bit later on. Rams look terrific. Andy Dalton didn't. He's back. Bad Andy Dalton. That was a pretty ugly performance. In fact, I'm not sure he's ever looked worse. And this is a guy who once had a QBR of 2.0 in a game. And that wasn't even his worst moment. This email reads, Dave, who does that? Who does that? Yours, the Sparrow tweeting about the U.S. Open on the first Sunday of the NFL season. <laughs> Brendan in the natty. Unwar Andy Dalton's 0.3 QBR. You know, Sparrow, I probably should have taken this up with you off the air. But as long as somebody brought this up on the air, I'm going to ask you the question. Are you just kind of like a really unamusing troll or do you really think that tennis is more important on the first day of the NFL season the tweet was it's the day every red-blooded American looks forward to the wait is finally over it's back happy men's U.S. Open final everyone pigeon I will give you the benefit of the doubt and call you a troll there's no way you'd be doing that otherwise there's just no way. I, I cannot tell you how many people asked for you to be fired when you started doing that. Who See, does the thing that? is, who does that, Pigeon? Who does that? Remember I had to downgrade you from a hawk to a sparrow? Now you've gone from a sparrow to a pigeon? What's left? What's next? Bro, I know for a fact. I know for a fact. And, and knowing you, like you think you're like some kind of radio legend, you're like, hey, I'm just counter-programming, Jim. Just counter-programming. That's just the PD in me. Bro, I love tennis. I played tennis growing up. I love the U.S. Open. I really do. I just am not going to give it priority over the NFL, and especially on opening weekend. I'm going to consider you a troll and not that ignorant. Because if you are that ignorant, I may have to take them up on the request. Hit the bricks. 
Raider Mike is in, as I knew he would be. And you know. And you know. And you know. Quote, Lynch did the prison move yesterday. He took out the biggest, best lineman and knocked him on his ass. Now everyone is scared of him. Nice job, Raider Mike. I like that. That is the prison move. Yeah, because I know so much about prison. I know I wouldn't last 60 seconds there. That's what I know about prison. Anyway, he's right. He said, I'm going to walk in there and find the biggest, baddest dude there is and take him out, which is what he did. At Bagley Sports tweets, favorite part of Jim Rome's show during football season when he just says, screw it, and gives Raider fans a whole autumn win segment. Hey, Matt, you know I will. You know I will when they show up like that. I'm not going to do that unless they show up like that. That's a nice win. The Titans are favored to win their division. They're a team that's going to go to the postseason, and they went right into their house and delivered a nice whip, buff kicking. Got no problem with it. Let's go to Nashville. There he is. Not Mike. Raider Mike. Mike, what's going on? Good morning. Ben Schmack. Thanks for taking the call, buddy. Uh, apologies, uh, my pipes are shot, and uh, I'm a, more than a little worse for the wear today. Jim, I made the trip to Nashville. I wanted to, to check out Mark Davis's latest PR stunt, you know, the new Oakland Raiders power running game. First of all, props to the Titans, who are almost like a mirror image of the Raiders, and they should win that division and get a home playoff game. That is a good football team. Look at the box score from yesterday. The big difference in that game was the fact Oakland held the ball over 31 minutes, three minutes longer than Tennessee. You could talk about bringing Lynch home to Oakland as a PR move, but he has changed the culture of this football team. Yesterday, Derek Carr had a QBR of 116 with two TD passes, but this is a power-running football team now on his 10 fourth-quarter runs with the game on the line. Beast Mode burned over six minutes off the clock, 40% of the fourth quarter, including that truck job where he ran through Jarrell Casey's face, shoving the pro bowler to the turf like he was, quote, the prime minister of Montenegro, continuing on his merry way. Hat tip to Mike Silver for that one. Jim, Raiders offensive linemen were YouTubing that bad boy in the locker room post game. There ain't nothing more badass, Jim, than an outside dog acting like an outside dog. Dog. That is all I got, Van Smack. It's one game we held serve onto the Jets. Jason Lockin for a JLC the morning after the first weekend. How you feeling? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, Jason. Great to have you back on the program. Thanks so much My for doing pleasure. it. First Sunday of the NFL season is in the books, JLC. What did you make of what you saw and what stuck out to you the most? Oh, boy. Well, you know, look, as much as we talk about wanting to end uh, the preseason as we know it and truncate it, and boy, that football's bad. After watching week one a lot of years, it, it kind of feels like preseason week five. And some of these teams just won't be that good, and some of these offenses really won't evolve, and some of these teams still are going to be hamstrung by lack of a quarterback. But um, and, and certainly some growing pains, some offensive growing pains for a lot of teams, and some of them faced really good defenses like the Bengals facing uh, the Ravens or the 49ers facing what I think will be uh, an improved Carolina defense. Um, but some of them, I mean, you know, the Colts and what they put out there without Andrew Luck against the Rams team that didn't have Aaron Donald, its best player, that's, you know, that's, that's not good. Uh, 
the Texans and the Colts having quarter co- quarterback controversies in the third quarter or the first <laughs> game of the year, that's not a good look. Um, and and just not a whole, you know, look, that Buffalo game against the Jets. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams. I mean, the Browns, Kaiser shows some flashes, but that's not going to be a smooth product right away. Not a whole lot of crisp, great offense being played. And even, you know, teams that I really like, like Seattle, if they don't get something out of their offensive line and they don't get something out of left tackle after losing George Fant, not that he was the necessarily the solution, but it's a hell of a lot better than what they have right now. I mean, they can't run an NFL offense because they're undermined by the lack of an offensive line, and I think they will be truly transcendent defensively. But, man, you've got to be able to have some cohesion at the point of attack on offense. Jason Lock and Ford joining us. GLC just laid out about 10 storylines. I could follow up on any one of those things. But let me ask you about the Raiders. What kind of expectations did you have for Marshawn Lynch going into yesterday's game, and what did you make of how he showed up? Uh, yeah, he made me look stupid. I, I was a skeptic. I was uh, someone who felt like at this stage of his career, with all that tread on his tires, as old as he is, and taking that much time out, time off, excuse me, and then sort of coming back for a, le- for a lesser contract than the one he walked away from, I was kind of thinking this was going to be something where maybe even by week 10, he's kind of like, check, you know, check please again and, and just kind of says, I tried it and it wasn't there. And we'll have to see how he holds up over time. But that was flat-out beast mode. I mean, from the moment Malarkey had his brain cramp and the onside kick and they get the ball at midfield and they want to establish the run a little bit and he takes that first carry 12 yards, dragging a couple dudes with him. And then you knew they were holding him back a little bit in the middle of the game because they're milking a lead on the road and then they unleash him a little bit more in the fourth quarter and he's trucking people and he's running people over. Looked like Marshawn Lynch to me. So... Um, again, the Titans' defense is, is not the greatest in the world, and it's one game, and he's super fired up and all that. But I was impressed. I, I didn't think he was going to go for roughly 80 yards week one. Jason Lockenfora is an NFL insider for CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Jason, what about Ezekiel Elliott? 104 yards on the ground, 36 through the air in last night's win. The NFL appealed the court decision earlier today. So what is your sense as to how Elliott's discipline is going to play out, and what does that mean for his availability this week and for the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm not, you know, as much as covering the NFL sort of forces you to, um, you know, get a quasi-legal degree. I'm not going to claim that I'm uh, a, a a prominent legal mind and, and that I have this stuff all figured out. But uh, you cover enough of this, you tend to find out that even though the season just started to us in the sports world and it seems like the NFL just got here, from a legal standpoint, January will be here before you know it. And the NFL wants to get an expedited decision on its uh, attempt to get an injunction against this initial ruling by the court in Texas, but it doesn't always happen that way. And there's preliminary hearings and exchangings of briefs, and then, oh, this lawyer can't make this date, and this judge's docket is filled up here. Well, and then it's the holidays, right? And so, oh, well, there's nothing around Thanksgiving, and there's nothing around Christmas. And before you know it, it's January. So I would be very surprised. I mean, short of the NFL winning something immediately in court where they, they, they get a judge in New York to grant an injunction against this uh, ruling that's, that went down last week, then, you know, we're, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And this could be a case where he misses the first six games 
of next season. Because ultimately, eventually the NFL tends to win, Jim. You know, like some of these preliminary rulings will go the way of the PA, like in the Tom Brady case. But in the end, because that CBA is fairly iron tight, they tend to get their man. Right. JLC, the 49ers did not get the Kyle Shanahan air off to a start that maybe they would have liked. But but you had a report that they made a very hard run at Pat's offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, and player personnel director, Nick Casario. How close was that to becoming a reality? And then how long do you expect to see McDaniels in New England? Well, I mean, it was on the table. Those were the guys, and they had discussed it as a package deal, and they were open to it for a period of time. Um, your lunch is right here, buddy. Sorry, I got a <laughs> kindergartner. He's only in till noon. I, I can't wait until it goes pops. to two thirty. But yeah, I'm multitasking here. It's in the kitchen, bud. So look, they, they they wanted that to happen. Not that you know Kyle Shanahan wasn't in the picture even then. But had they been able to put this together, had they been able to convince the Patriots coordinator uh, and their longtime high-ranking personnel man to come as a package deal, then that that was very much plan A. And, th- and those guys went through the process and were much closer to, to doing it than some probably thought, but ultimately it just wasn't right place, right time. I, I, I've said this for a couple of years now, and I guess I'll eventually be right, but I, I do truly believe that, that this will be the year that, that Josh McDaniels moves on. If that Patriots offense does what it normally does, and there's the seven to eight openings that there are every year. And look, had he wanted to go to Jacksonville and be kind of sort of mostly stuck with Blake Bortles, he could have done that too, but that job wasn't appealing to him for a, for some reasons. And a, and a lot of these top offensive coaches just felt like, you know, unless they could cut Bortles immediately, they didn't want to have to go into an offseason with him. And cutting Bortles immediately didn't seem to be in the cards. So it's not that Josh hasn't had opportunities, but he's in a position to be choosy. But, yeah, I think this is it, Jim. He, he, he will be an NFL head coach again, and, and my suspicion is it's 2018. All right, so I'm here in SoCal, and i got to rep SoCal. Los Angeles, show me your ram's horn. Look, if you're looking for me to pull the e-brake on the hype train that is the L.A. Rams, you've got the wrong radio program. I'm going to play along. Yeah, I don't care if they waxed Scott Tolzien's Colts. I could have been Santa Monica Community College, for all I care, or some local high school. 46-9 is 46-9, especially when it's the Rams who didn't score their first TD last year until week three. There were not enough game balls to go around after that south-central curb stomping they laid on Indy. Sean McVay could have kept that leather himself if he wanted. Hard to imagine a head coaching debut going any better than that. Never mind that he just turned 31 and rolled out a team that got outscored by the Browns and the Jets last season. Dude... Just FedExed 53 body bags back to Crown Hill Funeral Home in Indy. But forget about comparing yesterday to last year. Because that was the Rams' biggest blowout win in a season opener in the Super Bowl era. It took Sean McVay all of four quarters as a head coach to rewrite some 50-year-old history. Yet no big thing there. Or maybe. If you don't toss him the game ball, maybe you toss it to... At son of bum. Yeah, I admit back in the day, Wade and I were definitely at odds. Wade probably still not a Vance Mac fan. I'll tell you what, Pops, I got to tip my hat to you once again. And by the way, I have over the years. This guy is a straight defensive coordinating genius. I don't think he's a great head coach. 
But I think this guy's as good a D coordinator as I've ever seen. That good. So, son of a bum, I got to take my hat off to you again. The defense alone outscored the Colts 16 to 9. Coach him up, son of a bum. In fact, you had to go with an alter ego or a second account. Coach him up, son of a bum. You should go with that one and lock it, Wade. And you go with your great smack. He's because he's got a pretty good rap. Or how about the kid? How about the kid from Cal who put on that laser show yesterday? Perfect. Goff on a line. It's complete to Woods. Goff. Rainbow delivery. Caught by Gerald Everett. Gets up with it. Well, a beautiful pass by Goff. Take it. Goff. Fires. Wide open. Sammy Watkins. Goff. Protection holds up. Throws it. End zone. Touchdown. Cooper Cup. It's half full. Hey, yo. Jared Goff. I mean, I can't believe that that guy was the guy that we saw last year. I cannot believe that that guy took that big a step already. How much of that is him? How much of that is the new talent he has around him? How much of that is the head coach? I don't know, but that is a totally different guy. That guy looked like the guy that he was supposed to be. That guy looked like a guy taken at the top of the draft. So they bolster their line. They go out and they get him some help outside. And they hire a head coach known as a quarterback guru. All the pressure on the world, in the world, is on number 16 to prove that he was worth that grip of draft picks that it took to move up and get him last year. And so far, so good. Because nobody has ever seen the version of Jared Goff that we saw yesterday. Over 300 yards passing, 21 and 29, one TD and no picks. And as mentioned, the Rams knocked around the Colts. So good. That their head coach, Chuck Pagano, had no idea who just beat them the way they did. We got our asses kicked. Credit 49ers. God, I wish we would have just stopped after that one line. We got our asses kicked. We got our asses kicked. We got our asses kicked. If he had just stopped right there, I would have been like, God, stand-up guy. Way to go, Chuck. 49ers, hell. You wish you were playing the 49ers, Chuck. This is why they don't interview fighters in the ring right after they get knocked out. But why guess who got the game ball, going back to my first point, when we have the audio of the owner, Stan Kroenke, coming down from the owner's box to hand it out himself. We're really proud, and there's one guy that's leading all this, and this is our young coach here, Sean, and he's worked awfully hard, and I know you all have. He's very deserving. We want to present him with a game ball, and we're just really They're at number 14, Louisville, on Saturday. Kelly Bryant is my guest. Kelly, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. How are you? Kelly, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Really nice to have you. All right, so let me first ask you, you took that big hit in the second quarter. You had to leave the game for a series, but then you come right back in, and you lead the team on an 88-yard TD drive before the half. You pass for 79 yards, and you rush for nine more, including that three-yard touchdown. How important was it for you to come back into the game and lead the team on a drive like that in that situation? Um, it was real big. You know, uh, first quarter, it was kind of a weird quarter. We didn't really have the ball. You know, the uh, defense um, was out there for um, a long time. And so, you know, we couldn't really get in the rhythm. And we were just talking on the sideline, just stick together. You know, that's what we talked about, like, having adversity. And so, you know, just for us to put a drive together, you know, going to the half, 
it was really good to see. Then also coming out, getting the ball, we knew we were going to have to put another drive together, and then that's what we did. And so it was just good to see that you know we put together a miss going through all that we um, had to handle with all the adversity. Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant, my guest. You know, speaking of that drive too, your coach Diablo Sweeney said after the game, "quote That drive was a thing of beauty." End quote. One of the things that he's talked about is how over the past few weeks your confidence has grown and grown. Does it feel that way to you as well? And if so, I know you're not going to get a big head about it, but how much does a win like that and a performance like that boost not only your confidence but that of the entire team? Uh, you know, it just it feels good. You know, just also being my first year being a starter. You know, just just me. I I just been trying to take one week at a time, one day at a time. And, you know, just doing having that mentality. You know, it's been good. And also just having the guys. You know, in the offensive room. You know, to rally behind me. You know, you know that they can have the trust in me. You know, get the job done. You know, it just says a lot. It says a lot about them, and just and it says a lot about the team. You know, you know, like you're saying, we got another, another test coming up um, this weekend. You know, we're ready for. It. You know, it's going to be a challenge, and we're ready to accept it. And Kelly, it's one thing to be in your situation where it's your first time stepping up as a starter, but quite another when you're in the kind of tradition that recent Clemson quarterbacks have put out there or had. I mean, Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, some guys may see that as additional pressure and struggle to try to live up to that. How are you approaching it? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to be Kelly Bryant. You know, I'm not going to try to be Taj Boyd or Deshaun. You know, that's one thing that they've just been preaching to me. You know, ever since, you know, the name started, just be you, man. Just make play your own game. You don't try to, you know, try to be anything that the media wants you to be, you know, trying to put any pressure on you. You know, once you do that, once you know that, and you can just you can just go out and play and just have fun with it. You know, in terms of dealing with that, one of the things that you said was, and you learned this from watching Deshaun Watson in part, is poise. Like, never let what mm-hmm. happened on one play, whether it was good or bad, carry over to the next play. As I'm sitting here watching you, it seems like you never let yourself get too high or too low, which is easier said than done, especially in a big game on a big stage. So how do you go about managing those emotions? Uh, I'd probably say, um, just like I said, just learning from Deshaun over the past two years, you know, in games, you know, maybe made a bad decision or interception, you know, come to the sideline, okay, just get rid of it, you know, get rid of it all, just one play at a time. And then I just say, like, Last, not last week, uh, Kent State week. Uh, okay, it's just adversity. You know, I had made a big run, stepped out of bounds where I should have scored. I was like, okay, all right. Then next thing, you know, I made a bad read. You know, okay, that's another adversity. You know, okay, next play, okay, they had to do a touchdown, got called back. Okay, adversity, just next play, keep playing, keep playing. It's just something, you know, I've witnessed, you know, I've been around, you know, the past two years, you know, I've I feel like it's now, you know, I feel like I've stepped in and being more poised. You know, you have to be poised because, you know, everyone's looking at you, you know, when you're up, you when everything's going good and everything's going bad. So it's just me to just keep my composure, stay cool, calm and collective. That's just something that I was just trying to instill into my game as well. Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant is my guest. You know, Kelly, when you came to Clemson, you knew there was a chance that you were going to have to wait your turn, and you said that you really appreciated the coach's honesty when they told you that, and then you waited. So when you were finally named starter, what was that moment like? Yeah, it was a blessing. It was just music to my ears, you know, just, just seeing like all the work that I put in, you know, leading up to it, just finally, you know, you know, coming coming into play. You know, I know I haven't, I didn't, have, I haven't did anything, you know, coming up to that, you no know, decision, but you know, now it's okay. Now it's a step. 
knowing where I want to be and what I want to do. So it was just a blessing. You know, now I'm just trying to, you know, make the most of my opportunity. Got another opportunity coming up this week, of course. And I mentioned you've got a big one coming up. Number 13, Auburn, on Sunday night. That was then. And now you go to Louisville to face the Heisman Trophy winner in Lamar Jackson and the 14th-ranked Cardinals. I mean, I'd love to give you some time to enjoy the win you just had, but how do you go about preparing yourself and your team for a challenge like that on the road? I'm uh, just trying to find ways to get better, you know, and just trying to be satisfied. You know, they got they got some guys over there that can, you know, they can play as well, so we're going to have to be ready to play. You know, being going into a hostile environment at, late at night, there's going to be energy and electric, so, you know, we're going to have to handle all that. And just, you know, try not to – just trying to do too much to do my job. That's the main thing for me. You know, just stay within the game and don't try to do no one else's job or try and doing too too much. Tony Jefferson is my guest. Tony, it's great to have you back on. How are you? Good. What up, bro? What up, Tony? What's up, man? How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Got the W, and uh, we're at home this week. So. I'll tell you what, you got that W. One thing to get the W, but how much better, Tony, is it to go on the road and shut out a division rival, and how big of a statement is that? Yeah, those, those games are huge. Um, games, we got three of them in the first four games, so uh, to start off and set the tone like that with a goose egg uh, to start the season um, is going to be great for us. Terrell Suggs said afterwards that in the middle of the game, he said to you, and I quote, you had a great career at Arizona, but you were meant to be a Raven, end quote. And T. Sizzle, he is one of the great Ravens. So what's it mean to hear that from him? And then what's it mean to you to be a Raven now, Tony? Uh, that means a lot uh, when Suggs told me that because obviously he's been one of the the, the cornerstones here at the, at the organization. And, uh, you know, he's been telling me for a while, that I belong here and I should have been here, you know, since I came to the league. And, uh, you know, being a Raven has meant everything to me. Um, everything I, I've heard about the place before I got here, uh, it has exceeded those expectations. So uh, I'm looking forward to another uh, great week of football uh, and competing with these guys. Raven safety, Tony Jefferson joining us. I'm going to pick up on that point in one second. But one of the things that the guys were talking about after the game was trying to set the record for turnover differential in a season. From a defensive standpoint, how do you go about forcing the turnovers? In other words, is it something that you can dial up or do you just keep showing up in the right spots and then good things just seem to happen? Well, I mean, it could vary. Um, Obviously, the great ones, you know, the great defenses, they have playmakers who, who took chances. Sometimes it takes you, um, you know, maybe you're a man coverage and you see something that a route that's closer to you and you come off your guy and jump it. It's, sometimes it takes that type of stuff. And we know the number that we want to get um, at the end of the season. You know, we're trying to get to plus 28. Um, so we, we, we've got goals. Raven safety, Tony Jefferson joining us. Now, I had Ladarius Webb on the show on Friday. He said the defense is, quote, going to be a great unit. I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it, end quote. Now, you've been on some great defenses in Arizona. What is it about this defense that makes it special? Uh, first off, I think the chemistry is off the charts. Um, it's, it's amazing from every level, from the front seven to the linebackers to the DBs, how, how close we are and how good our chemistry is already and there's a bunch of new faces who uh, you know haven't been here in the last couple of years but I think everybody adjusted well uh, to, to the new environment 
and uh, it shows out there on the field. I mean, Cincinnati drove the ball a little bit, a couple times in the red zone, but we still prevailed and, and got uh, turnovers. You know, in terms of that secondary and in terms of the chemistry, there's a story that on a day off during training camp, a day off, you were away from the guys in the secondary and you told your fiance, man, I miss those guys. Is it true? And if it is true, what's that say about the bond that this group has? Yeah, that's true. I mean, she, my fiance wasn't isn't always too happy about it because <laughs> right. we're always we're always trying to do stuff together, go to the movies and and go to dinner and stuff. And she, you know, she's like, "What about me?" But uh, you know, it's 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 a great thing. You know, since I got here, the guys, everybody, including the staff, they kind of took me under their wing and they just accepted me uh, really well. So um, it's it's like it's like brotherhood here. Yeah, that brotherhood. I mean, so that bond. How does it show up yeah. on the field, and does it translate into wins for the team? Oh, it definitely does. I mean, there's situations where, you know, maybe a guy messes up on a play, or he he may have given up a big play. But the bond that we have, we know that we can lean on each other, uh, whatever the circumstance or situation is. We know that we can lift our brother up and give them the courage to move on to the next play. And I think that helps because. A lot of time in the league, you know, guys make plays on, on, on people and, you know, they kind of get down on themselves. And when you have the players who, who have the chemistry that, like we do, uh, we can get through those situations. Tony Jefferson joining us. You know, something else, too. I hear guys always talk about the chemistry and the bond, and you hear guys talk about it, but it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what it is or what it looks like. To me, as an example, Ladarius Webb, his role changed the moment you arrived but he seems okay with it. He said, quote, I see Tony Jefferson and Weddle, and they're awesome players. I'm like the wild card. To win a Super Bowl, you need to have some wild cards, end quote. I mean, a lot of guys in this situation might not have reacted that way to potentially losing some playing time. So what's it say about Webb and the rest of the secondary? Oh, Webby's one of, Webby's one of my favorite dudes, man. He's, he's down to earth, funny, um, and ultimately he just wants to win. I mean, he's at – He's at that point in his career where, you know, he's ready to win another one. You know, he's already got got one ring. He's ready to win another one. And he, you know, taught, he was helping me out with calls and stuff when I first got here uh, and stuff like that. So Webby's been very helpful. I was super hyped for him when he got his interception yesterday. Um, it, it was a layup, but it, he still got him a, a pick. So uh, <laughs> I was excited for Webby. Dude, it's pretty clear how you feel about those guys now they feel about you. How about Eric Weddle? Eric Weddle is one of my all-time favorites. I just I love this guy. I love what he's about. I love the way he plays. I love the way he leads. What's it been like to play alongside him? Oh, huge, man. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning each uh, and every day. I'm learning more and more. That guy's going to be at my wedding, uh, you know, coming next next year in July. Um, we've, we've become instant best friends. Um, we do everything together got our own little code names and everything so it, it's we bonded really well tony jefferson tony you're gonna to give out those code names or are they code names and do we not get to find out what they are yeah they're code names they shall not be released to the public <laughs> all right man respect <laughs> now listen you're a chula vista guy and you and i have talked in the past about your love of tacos el gordo however yeah. i know you're eating clean these days which is never easy but even tougher when you make that switch and you lived across the street from in and out you can't get to where you are without discipline but how much discipline does it take not to run over to in and out every day when you can smell it from your house 
Uh, it's, it's tough. It's probably one of the worst things. You gotta persevere. You gotta look at the bigger picture. Um, even now, you know, my, um, you know, five guys about three weeks ago, we want to, it's right under in and out and, uh, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. So. Good work. And actually, I'm glad you got that one right, Tony. I didn't want to – like, you and I are really, really good, and I'd, I'd respect your opinion even if it was wrong, and it would have been wrong if you picked five guys over in and out. You know better. You and I know better. Oh, That's yeah. not true. No, no, no. That would never happen. You know, in terms of staying away from things that maybe might not be in your best interest, I saw my last question for you. On July 9th, July 9th, you tweeted, last day on Twitter for the year, oh, no. So does that mean that you're not going to tweet, or are you just not even looking at Twitter during the season? Uh, I'll check in a couple times. Uh, I like to keep up in, uh, you know, all the news that's going on. But, now nah, I'm, I'm done tweeting. I don't really get on Twitter anymore. Uh, you know, I'm more focused just on the playbook and football stuff. You know, I get it. It's like, but it's so habitual, right? It's like anything else. Like you reach for your phone, you reach for your phone, you reach for your phone. Was it hard the first couple of days to get away from it, or maybe not so hard? Oh no, it was tough. It was tough. It was very tough. Um, I felt, and it, and it made me feel even worse. Like I was just really addicted to Twitter because I kept checking my phone. I'm sliding over, but the app's not there anymore. And I'm, I'm like, should I download it again? So you know. Uh, it was, it's, it's a tough experience. Builds builds composure with yourself. So, open fight. Man, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. What was tougher, giving up the double double or the Twitter app? <laughs> oh, you, you can't do that to me. I'm gonna have to say the double double though. Trapper, good morning. What's up, bro? Hey, Jimmy. Actually, I'm in Curry County, away from Medford, up here um, helping out moving some livestock and horses from the Checo Bar Fire that's still on the move. Uh, Cleveland bought me some extra time, but uh, more important, I'm up here trying to help some people. Quick shout out of gratitude, Jimmy, to Lef uh, for pulling all the old wild bunch together at the smack off. Also to you and the XR4TI for the for the really really good time in in studio, courtesy and SI for the nice write up. And speaking of Raider Mike, what up with the stash parachuting off your grill that day, bro? <laughs> Also, a shout-out to the Chiefs uh, safety, Eric Berry, who lost his season on Thursday to a torn Achilles during their route of the Patriots. Got to hurt, Armando, but I hope you don't forget the inspiration you've given a lot of us out here who are uh, allegedly on the clock with your, your battle against cancer, which in a lot of ways, buddy, it transcends what you do on the field. And as reference, Jimmy, uh, you mentioned, it's 9-11 again, old friend, and Given what's going on across our country, it seems especially important to be here today. Um, first and once again, a fond and heartfelt thanks uh, from me and a lot of other everybody in the jungle to you for staying on the air that horrific week and bringing us some semblance of sanity all those 16 years ago, my brother. To Shawnee, Poindexter, Will, and all the brothers and sisters in H-Town and the Gulf fighting the ravages of Harvey from Sloppy Joe's on Duval Street and KW, the other keys, all the Sunshine State and beyond dealing with Irma and those affected by the West Coast fires. Our eyes and our prayers are upon you all today. To all the firefighters, cops, first responders, um, Red Cross workers, smoke jumpers, rescue teams, everybody giving of themselves today to help our brothers and sisters in harm's way. You are the legacy of the men and women who gave it all. In uh, on 9/11, 01, and God bless you for it today, 
ain't no blue, ain't no red, just spokes inside of a wheel called America, Jimmy. All turning together that thanks to you all, we'll still be here when the smoke's gone, the water recedes, and the uh, the tears have dried. I got some goats and horses to move, buddy, so I'm out of here. I'll pass on tramps today, and uh, more appropriately, I'll close with Todd Beamer's courageous last call from United 93. Let's roll. I'm out. My brother. Great to hear your voice, Trapper. Thank you very much, and extremely well said. Chad in L.A. Chad, what's cracking? How are you? Doing well, Ron. I uh, I wanted to lay out tonight's game, but, for, but first, my fans won't stop asking me to come in and finish my smack-off call. So I had to call in and let them know that I don't care about them. I don't care about anybody. I'm focusing on my strengths, and one thing I'm good at is being an a-hole. Like, Rome, with the Vikings playing tonight, I'm reminded of that CBS article how some fans will do anything to win a Super Bowl, and Vikings fans are reportedly willing to, quote, gain 100 pounds and go an entire year without showering just to watch their team win. But my question is, if that strategy actually worked, then how come the Browns never win anything? And notice what they're not saying, Rome. They're not saying they're willing to lose weight just to win. That's because up north they're stuck in the 1800s and they still hold on to each pound like it's a status symbol. Losing weight up there will put you in the stockades. And Rome, right now, people have two questions on their minds with football starting. Number one, who will be the breakout quarterback this season? And two, who will finally push Leff and Laguna out the window of your studio next year and rip the smack off title? Ironically, the answer to both questions is the same. See me and we'll shock the world. And Jim, you'll see me in first place next summer. And since I don't have to crash your studio just to do it, you can just catch me outside. How about that? Chad in L.A. Made it through the phone call, Chad. I'll even rock him. Thank you very much for listening and for hammering subscribe on the Jim Rome Podcast. Another episode drops tomorrow with Oscar De La Hoya. Make sure you check that out. For now, I am out. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want? taste you love.